are back in the Football Shed, your weekly podcast for fans, football fans that live in the wrong time zone. Um, the last few weeks since time? being... Since Did being, you go to the West Country <laughs> there? Time zone. I've been in the time zone. <laughs> being back in the shed, it's difficult to do the introduction. My name's John Hewitt. Jack King is here. Hi, oh, Ari. Right? <laughs> Roger Gibbs is here too. All right. <laughs> All right, boy. Boy, oh, we're in the West Country talking football. Um, well, that's, that was exciting. Um, Jeff, did you bring a drink with you? For no, um, someone uh, left a bottle of Canadian Club in my cupboard. So wow, they must be a classy friend. A classy friend, classy friend. Great parting gift. So now I'm just uh, razzing my way through that. It's quite traditional to just drink what's in the cupboard for the shed. Um, well, I think you've relied on that approach for many years now. This Jeff. is our Decades, fifth, sixth probably. season. We're just coming to the fifth. end of fifth. Yeah. Sixth has started. If you're talking yeah. about, you know, post-COVID normal. Yeah. You've so probably f- bought a six-pack by now. Max, yeah, yeah, you've started getting rigid about taking your beer home, Roger. <laughs> um, and you're drinking your Canadian club with no ice and no mixer. That is correct, John. That's so horrible. <laughs> it's pretty gross, <laughs> It's yeah. all class. <laughs> Um, Rod, you look like you've got two wanker beers sat there. Yeah, just the usual. Um, I've got a Hop Nation Melbourne Fog Hazy Pale. Very nice. And a Ale Farm, some sort of hazy IPA. Sounds boring. I have no idea what you're talking about. A hazy IPA. hazy... Oh, I'm all about the hazy IPAs. Basically, means they just leave it to go mouldy and a bit gross. It's delicious. No. Is it delicious? Oh, yeah. I don't think that... Can I just say something? Yeah. I don't think that many drinks that are boozy are delicious. I think they're they're good or... or they're, some are refreshing. Some. Some beers are refreshing. Yeah. Like a Bailey's is quite tasty. <laughs> That's a tasty drink. Come on, people. Let's be honest here. Jeff, a you're just not no, going to... You know, no, Rog. No, you're not on to a winner a, a here. A Bailey's is tasty. There no. are tasty drinks. But I wouldn't say any of them are delicious. Like, delicious. You don't You don't have a... Like a... um. Like that, what's that, Roger? In hop, that, that hazy IPA. It's not delicious. You're seasoned to think that beer is good. I get that you enjoy beer, and that's a particularly potent one. Which delicious is so sorry, Canadian Club. Too much Canadian Club. Talking of delicious, <laughs> I've got Aldi five dollar wine. Superior, even yes, that superior El Macho, El Toro Macho, El Toro Macho. The same I always have. Um. Every week we do start with a question, which is going to be done by Jeff this week, because he's got a better one than I've got, apparently. Um, but before we do that, just a bit of admin. Um, if you want to get in contact, ask us a question, tell us we're wrong about something, you can just find us on Facebook, search Football Shed, or email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe, and as the footy's back soon, make sure you tell all your mates that you can listen to a podcast with good sound, because we're allowed to be in the same room, whereas the rest of the world has to be isolated. Um, but yeah, Jeff, question. That was a bit like a fuck you rest of the world. Yeah, Look it was. It really was. It came out really aggressive. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm with you. I hope you all get better soon. <laughs> okay, right. So I've gone for question this week because I wouldn't want to be asked this question. Because as as you all know, I don't know as much as you two. You two. Well, are, I you, I well I, I've got opinions on things. Okay. Certainly got probably more opinions than, I, than my fair share. But I don't know as much, right? Okay. So... To avoid me ever being asked this question in the future, I'm going to ask it. Okay. So, can you please name the four players who have won the Champions League back-to-back with two different clubs? Four players back-to-back with two... So, so, so Consecutive years. So, won the Champions League. Seydorf. Then signed to another club and won the Champions League the following year. There are only four players that have done it. Clarence Seydorf. Incorrect, John. 
Um, oh, Jesus. Snyder at Inter Milan and Real Madrid. No, but these are great guesses. This is what, that's why they pay you the big bucks on this, on this podcast. <laughs> Kaka? Nope, not Kaka. Um, so who would have won? So they've got one... I would have got one of these because he won it three times in three consecutive years. He won a hat-trick of Champions Leagues. Old Ronaldo? No. Is there anyone that went from Ajax to Milan? Milan to Ajax? What, in 95? Yeah. That's why I thought Seydorf or Davids, Clivert. No, Clivert was only just coming on the scene. Um, do, you, do you want some clues? Yeah, do you want some clues? On. Okay. Well, the the one who I would have got is because he's an Everton legend. He had the greatest six-month spell at Goodison Park. Thomas Graveson. Towards the end of his career. Best African player of all time, arguably. Sammy Eto'o. Sammy Eto'o. Sammy Eto'o. Yep. Barcelona oh, and so Inter. Inter, yeah. yeah. And he won it twice with Barca. Oh, and then Deco? It, not Deco. Uh, second one. The first one was when he played for Manchester United. Okay, so... And then the following year was playing for Barcelona. PK? Gerard PK. Good yeah. one, John. And do you know Man United got him for 5.3 million euros? Bargain. And then Fergie didn't really like him, didn't like his attitude. Well, it's because you had Ferdinand and Vidic. Um, Vidic. But what, he, didn't, what, he went to Barcelona free, did he? Or? Uh, not for not a no, lot. No, not a yeah. lot of money. And then he's great. So yeah. there you go. Um, now, these other two are, are quite ex- obscure, but I thought you were close. Um, you were right with him playing in uh, Milan for AC in 1994. 94. But it was the year oh. before that, playing for Marseille. That Desai? He Gen- Desai, oh, Roger. Very nice. good. The last one, played for Juventus in 1996 and Borussia Dortmund in 1997. Sorry, Juventus? In 1996. And then Dortmund. And then Dortmund Do you know who was in Dortmund, 97? Lars Ricken. Paul Lambert. Paul Lambert, yeah. Um, really? Uh, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Sorry, Juve. Juve in 96. Brazilian? Uh, no. He is Portuguese. Oh, Rui Costa. Nope. Paolo Sosa? Paolo Yay! Sosa! Roger! <laughs> that is excellent! Very good. That was a good... Yeah, good clues, Jeff. Yeah, good, quest, good question. Um, we, didn't, we didn't really get it right, though. No. There was a lot of clues. I don't think I would have got those without clues. No. You would have got Sammy Eto'o. Oh, yeah, know, and know, I think I would have got yeah. Desai eventually, but yeah. Uh, yeah, needed clues for the others. Um, so this week, we are definitely going to do our team reviews, because we've been saying that we're going to be doing team reviews for weeks, and then we've not got around to it because there's so much news. So we're going to flip it and do the team reviews first. Um, we've got Leicester and Liverpool this week, who've, you know, done all right this year, I reckon. Um, and then we'll do a bit of... Uh, latest COVID-19 updates including the fact that the Premier League is back it's actually coming back real life it's going to happen I think yes. it's going to happen it could all go wrong yet have you know have you learned that they've not this is what <laughs> no, 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 no team review okay team review <laughs> fuck <laughs> okay <laughs> if you're listening just skip forward 15 minutes because <laughs> that was a good point right you've got three minutes on Leicester no so Leicester <laughs> so we're going to do Leicester and Liverpool Leicester I'd like to start by saying that I predicted they'd come in the top four at the start of the season. So just putting that out there. Very Is good. Is that real? I yeah, we, I printed out the predictions just so everyone... Yeah, we'll go through those at the end, Rod. There's some, there's some corkers in there. There's um, some also awful ones. But Leicester are sat third in the Premier League right now with their nine games left to go. Are they going to get top four? They've got you now, haven't they? Well, I'd, I'd say that they deserve it. I, on, the, on the balance of... Getting pleasure from football, I thoroughly think that Leicester deserve it. 
Uh, I've enjoyed watching. If you can remember, it's been ten weeks since we've watched football. I've been trying to think um, about old games. But, I, I can't but really. go back and watch some of the highlights. Leicester have played some exceptional stuff, and it's been really fluid. The the um. Obviously, Madison has been pulling the strings, and Didi's been amazing. Um, and I've, I've seen them play... It, it's almost like old-school, modern football. And, and I've, I've absolutely loved watching yeah. it. So, so they deserve it. If, if ever you can look at a side and go, out footballing merit, you deserve to be there. It's not you grinding out results or whatever, but if the pleasure of football was going to win games, you deserve to be there. And I think when you look at them in terms of team performance and individually, like I think there's a number of those individuals that you would put close to getting in a team of the season so far. Yeah. Like I look at Pereira at right back. Um, I look at both centre-backs. Like Johnny Evans has had a great... Soyan Chu's got <clears throat> a lot of the plaudits, but I think Johnny Evans has been absolutely brilliant He's this one year. of the most underrated and, players in the league, right? Yeah, for years. And I, and I think Ndidi has been absolutely brilliant. My only hesitancy with Leicester, and we've sort of said this all year, is they do have a fairly thin squad. And we saw their form suffer a little bit when Ndidi was missing. Like, there's a bit of a drop. Like, Chowdhury looks like he's got yeah, a bit of right. but he's, yeah. it, you know, he's, he's a bit younger. And... Um, my only concern with what might happen with COVID is there's uh, there's lots of talk about more injuries, you know, soft tissue injuries and fitness and things like that. And if that does happen, I think that Leicester aren't necessarily as well positioned as some of the clubs around them, particularly if they lose a key player. Yeah, like a Jamie Vardy. Like or... a Jamie Vardy or an Ndidi again, but yeah. I'm, or a Madison. But I am 100% on board, Jeff. I've watched Leicester a number of times this year and I've enjoyed it every time and I, I they're there on merit and I really hope that they stay I mean I would say they're probably one of the teams that we've enjoyed watching the most this year they um, um I think Brendan Rodgers is one of the most underrated managers around I think it's an English arrogance that he went to Scotland and won six in a row or whatever it was and everyone just went oh Selwick I could do that but he's come into Leicester, and I think he came. He was smart when he came into Leicester. He had like two or three months at the end of last season, so that he could get his head around what's going on. He's done a really good job. And um, when he was at Liverpool, he was a really young manager, and he got he did really well, and then kind of fucked up a bit and got a bit confused and messed it up. I think Brennan Rodgers is the next kind of Klopp Guardiola. He's that one ring below and I could see him going to a Liverpool well, we probably won't go back to Liverpool but a Man City after Guardiola but it's interesting because the, the, the football that won him the um the job at Liverpool was the football he played at Swansea yeah and that's the football that Leicester are playing but they're doing it better you yeah, know he's improved he's, at it he's learnt two different skills he, at Swansea he played free-flowing attacking dynamic overlapping football which is the type of stuff that we're seeing at Leicester but at Celtic he learned how to grind out leagues yeah. like he learned how to go we need to win every game at Swansea yeah. it was we need to finish in the top half mm-hmm. we need to maintain our Premier League existence which means that you know go express yourself if we lose it's fine everyone's cool we're still friends stay up that's what we want but yeah. at Celtic there is no losing which means that he's learned two very um kind of interdependent skills of how to be a successful football manager what to do to maintain a level of performance and how to perform in the first place I think um, he didn't know how to deal with the pressure of managing Liverpool before he managed Celtic like he didn't know how to how to deal with no loss is okay whereas at Celtic no loss is okay yeah. especially in the time he was at Celtic when Rangers went back in the league yeah. you literally couldn't lose to anyone because everyone was worse yeah. and because of that I think that he's got those and he's put them together when you say are they going to qualify for the Champions League 
I really want them to for a, a second reason. So last time Leicester in the Champions League, they won the league, right? Yeah. Now, when you win the league, you're a top seed in the Champions League, which means that your Champions League group is full of teams that are not top seeds. You know, yeah. so so they had um, uh, Cop- FC Copenhagen. Uh, who else was in the Champions I League group remember. in 2016? But it was, it was but you, average. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it was it was a real kind of um, underwhelming set of Champions League fixtures. They're not going to come first or second this year, which means actually they're going to be in Champions League groups against the big boys. And what I really wanted last time was was the the glorious nights of seeing a team like Leicester go away to Barcelona or AC Milan or, or to to or to Ajax or to have these moments. But I actually felt a bit robbed last time in the Champions League because yeah. then we get because little get to, Leicester didn't get to do it. Yeah, little yeah. little yeah. Leicester didn't. They got went to Copenhagen, yeah. and that to me is not Leicester. FC Copenhagen is not a great Champions League game. Yeah. But, it's but not Leicester what away at Juventus would be brilliant. It's phenomenal. So I think this year, if they get there, it will be a much better journey for Leicester. And I think that you, I agree with you on Rodgers. And I think he's a, he's a studious manager. And I think he's clearly, to me, learned from his experiences in those other jobs. But, you know, we talk about, you know, managers that have a style of playing that they like their players to play and I think he does that and he's identified players that work well with that but he's essentially taken the same group of players that um, Puel had yeah and, and they were struggling in and, the they table. Were, and just very very different way of playing happier group but also playing much better football and I think if you've got a manager that can make players play better which I think Rogers does that is a skill that we really only see in the top managers to me like it's not just about the sum of the parts and the team doing well if you're making the individuals better then you're a pretty good coach and they have got a small squad but they've got a young squad and if they get in the champions league and they do add that bit of quality around what they have and they keep hold of the madisons and the chillwells and Didi's. I and I've said this before. Barnes, Harvey Barnes, Harvey Barnes is very yeah. good. They they need a replacement for Vardy at some point. Um, yeah. But I do. I've said this before. I do think that they can become an established top four club. I think they have the infrastructure. Um, they have the money, but also Jeff. I wanted to ask you about this. You sent us a interesting article on Toffee Web, the Everton uh, blog, a couple of weeks ago around the finances of what's happening during COVID nineteen and how the clubs are struggling with. What clubs are going to be in the most trouble with not having income from matches, etc. and stuff. And regularly near the bottom were Leicester. And I don't know if you noticed this, but because Everton were quite near the bottom as well in various scenarios. But Leicester look like they could actually be in a struggle with finance financially after the COVID-19 scenario. And I don't know whether it's because they have huge debt or why that is, or if you know anything more about that. But um, It's the uh, wage... Uh, wage to income ratio yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly right um plus the, the you know they haven't had as long at the big boy table when it comes to things like sponsorship deals their, their global appeal started in 2016 and nothing before and and you could jump on me for that because you could say well you know they, they had Thai owners and they were the biggest club in thailand mm. or whatever but that's not the biggest club in one country is not yeah. the same as manchester united yeah, yeah. you know so it's, they're, they're playing catch-up at a point where they are proactively investing in their future to be at that table. Do you know what I mean? They've been they've been given enough money to buy enough lottery tickets, yeah. and that's comfortable. They can afford those lottery tickets. But if those lottery tickets don't come in, they haven't got the the downstream revenue of just being Leicester City. Yeah. And um, 
they plus it's um player values so their player values have decreased just like everyone's in coronavirus so, so then you look at player age so their sell-on value um how many youth team uh players they have coming through and where how many first team minutes they have yeah. so obviously the more first team minutes a youth team player has in the first team the more they're worth for their sell-on value yeah. all of these things are part of the equation and Leicester don't come out well when you add all of that up yeah do you think if they do make the Champions League mm. um, or let me phrase that differently is them making the Champions League crucial to them being in their position where they can continue to make the Champions League in terms of if they don't make it this year, do you think they will then lose a lot of their top-end talent that then makes it harder to sustain success next year? Like, are they, rely, yeah. are they relying on making the... You know, if they make the Champions League, does that mean Ndidi stays, Madison stays, Soyuncu stays, Pereira... Like, do they keep them all if they make the Champions League? If they don't make the Champions League, do you think a number of those players go? I, I think they probably do. I think it makes it a lot easier for them if they get into the Champions League to keep hold of them. I think yeah. one or two will leave. Um, but if you're Madison, for example, and Man United come in and go, oh, come to us for 80 million and play in the Europa League or stay where you are in the Champions You're going to stay where you are. For an- are you, the last time they won the league, these, these were Premier League winners who bought into this amazing project. They were part of the most phenomenal experience in, in our you know, modern sporting history. They won the league and yet still they were all at, like but they angling only, for a league. They only lost Kante though. Yeah, but... Everyone wanted to. Maris. Vardy was. No, Maris was two years later. Yeah, but Maris wanted, well, he wanted to, go, to go, which yes. meant he was a sook yeah. for the next year. Yeah. Vardy was a was a day away from signing for Arsenal. Yes. Do you remember that they were yeah. literally being decimated because these players were going, okay, well, we've achieved as much as we possibly can. Now, maybe qualifying for the Champions League is their version of that. Madison might be going, well, shit. When I signed for Leicester, I certainly wasn't expecting to qualify. Maybe I'll go for go for a year of um, of trying out with Leicester. But is this my future, or am I waiting for a? Well, for a but big I club? don't know because I think all of a sudden, you know, they only won the league three years ago, mm. and then if they now make the Champions League, like that's not a massive gap. I think that's almost show starting to it's be able to show league. sustained yeah. success. Like yeah. more than Arsenal got to the Champions League in the last four yeah, years. But, yeah, but um. Oh, they just put the boot in there, John. Uh, okay, so let's look at a team that have bridged that gap recently, Spurs. Mm. So when Spurs qualified, Harry Redknapp, you know, for, yeah. it was it felt the same. You know, it felt like, okay, this is... Let's just watch yeah, 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 this yeah. is great. You know, let's, let's see what kind of groups they're in. And they had some amazing results against Inter. Do you remember? Some yeah, pro- Gareth Phenomenal Bale, football, yeah. <laughs> but still, they weren't seen as a club that was going to do that regularly. It, it took them two, three years, probably, the coffee. It took two, three years for you to assume that they might be in that race in the mm. beginning of the season you still weren't backing them in for it and the reason why Spurs were able to um to maintain their squad which is their squad consistency is the reason why they qualified in my opinion for that period because yeah. they were all young they yeah. were young they had an up-and-coming manager and they were they were in this battle together they were also not very disrupted so, so they didn't have new players come mm. in and be the shining mm. light and it, yeah, they didn't do that so they're actually they were on this journey at the same time whereas as we just said Leicester's squad is not young yeah, let's move on to Liverpool. Um, Can I just say before uh, oh, the rest on. of their Champions League group was Club Bruges, Porto, and Copenhagen. Yeah, it's not. You see exciting. what I mean? Yeah, it's not as exciting. Is it? Yeah. Although they holiday in Portugal is quite good. Like, well, not is, now. Who did no. they? Well, they lost to and they lost Athletic to Atletico Madrid, which yeah. I also thought was sad because it was kind of like if there was one team you didn't 
like face. wouldn't match up with Leicester, you know, yeah. and as a as a Leicester fan, it would have been yeah. They just got Simeone'd, yeah, and they just like, mm. they almost got out Leicestered. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's move on to Liverpool. So I think they're doing quite well in the league. They're mm. uh, twenty seven points clear, I think, at the top, um, and basically two games off winning the league. Sorry, they're twenty seven points clear. Yeah, they are, aren't they? Seem- Jesus, you forget this. It stuff, seems don't you? like a long time ago of just watching Liverpool win week yeah. after week after week. Well, after it's interesting. So, but <laughs> eighteen in a row. I think when you're in the midst of the season happening, you never hear them talk about, "Oh, yeah, we've, we've basically won the league, haven't we?" And they have won the league, but everyone's like, "Oh no, it's not mathematically done yet." Um, Klopp was interviewed by the BBC yesterday, and basically was like. Yeah, we've won the league. Like, we just need to get a couple of results and then we'll be fine and it's done. Um, I just wanted to interrupt because Roger's looking at his beer like, oh, this is disgusting. It is disgusting, you see, Roger. Roger. I told you bought you. a shit beer, didn't oh, you? I'm not looking Delicious, at it. Delicious, my ass. Looking um, at where it's from Denmark. Can, can, so, okay. By local, Rog, you know, support the local businesses. Well, I didn't if know we're going to review Liverpool, which we are, yes. literally, we're doing that now. That's, yeah. that's quite a poignant thing to say. If we are going to now yes. review Liverpool, I think it's only fair to start with the fullbacks. Oh, yeah, incredible. Because slash playmaker slash winger slash exactly right. Because yeah. you know you could you could make a case that their whole team is amazing, and you could start with anyone as the most important. But the thing that makes them different to other teams in the Premier League, yeah, there are other good front threes in the Premier League. There are, there are other good midfielders like stoic British midfielders. Like, there's other good centre backs. Yeah. Sorry, Verge, but yeah. there are other good centre backs in the league. There is not another left-back, right-back pairing like Liverpool have in the Premier League. And that's what makes them so special. I don't think we've seen full-backs used in an attacking sense like Liverpool used them no. ever no. in the Premier League. Like, we've seen great attacking full-backs before. And we've yeah. seen other teams that, like, you look at Brazilian, you know, I remember Cafu, Cafu yeah. and, and Roberto Carlos. But even that was a bit different. That was still, like, you know... Cafu was just a get up and down and yeah. but like Liverpool create a lot of their movement is about creating space for the fullbacks because they're the most attacking players in the team. They become fullback. quarterbacks. They, yeah. they they play the the creative defensive midfielder role. Yeah. It's insane, but they do it from deep lying left back, deep lying right. They don't even have to bomb forwards to, to play those passes. Trent Alexander Arnold plays sixty yard passes from nowhere. Trent Alexander Arnold is I can't work out whether Klopp got lucky with this young 17, 18-year-old right-back who just suddenly blossoms into the greatest player ever, or Klopp looked at him and went, I can see something in this guy. Because when he first started, everyone's a bit like, oh, yeah, he's quick. He gets... Like- well, it was, Joe, it was Joe Gomez and Trent were like, very close as to who was going to play right Yeah, back, and because it know? was Nathaniel Klein got injured for a long time. Yeah. And so they he played Trent a few more times. And he he would get caught over his head behind him a few times and defensively he was a bit weak. But suddenly now he can ping a ball 70 yards like David Beckham. He's great defensively. He runs at a million miles an hour, can cross a ball. Like- so here's, here's a stat, right? Alexander-Arnold is only three assists from surpassing Aspilicueta, your favourite name, Rog, yeah. uh, and entering the all-time top 10 Premier League defenders with the most assists list. And what is he, 21? 21 years old, and he's only made 77 appearances. It's crazy. And he's three assists away from being in the Premier League all-time top 10. That is like one of the most mind-boggling statistics. 
Can you build your team around a right back? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think there just are many teams ask, that can, but that is what Lib- yeah. like, this is what you know. There's all ask this for a friend. talk already about. Can we put him in midfield? Yeah. Can we put him here? Because he's that good. He's that good, and I, I think maybe you can, and maybe maybe Why he will go you? and do that. But the same, t- yeah, exactly, Jeff. Why? Because Liverpool are set up to get the best out of him playing at right back because he gets the opportunity to cross. And the trap, like, you know, when I look at what he does with crossing the ball, and there's things he does that the only player I've seen that can in Premier League history that do it in a similar way is is Beckham. Yeah. But what he has more than Beckham is he's quick. He's got pace. And so he can actually, he doesn't, the the amazing thing about Beckham was he never had to go past the man because he'd just cross in front of him. Yeah. Didn't need to go. He's one of the only, yeah, one of the only players, you you know, that played wide that didn't need to go round somebody ever because he could just cross the ball. The trouble with, if you're playing against Trent Alexander-Arnold is you can't stand off him because he'll do that. But if you try and get too close to him, he'll run in behind and go past you. And so I think that right back is almost the perfect position because can you, if you as an opponent man mark a right back, that <laughs> completely throws out yeah. your formation. That is, yeah. It is very difficult to man mark a fullback <laughs> and, 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 and keep maintain some sort of so, you he's, know, over, so he's overlapping balance. on Salah. Okay, who do you mark? Yeah. yeah. Like so, so okay. Well, he's he's that dangerous. Okay, you're going to watch for the overlap. See what you're going to do. Let Salah have ten yards. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Why move him from right back? What attributes are you going to drop in an in an exceptional team like Liverpool to put to put him somewhere else? Like it seems yeah. crazy. Left back and right back in the last ten years have become very very important roles on the football pitch. Let's not kid ourselves. Fifteen years ago, it was pointless. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was you were you were the least. You were Gary quality. Neville, weren't you? you just, I yeah. played left back. You, were, you know, you were <laughs> reliable. You could cross the ball a bit. You yeah, could, stand you there, defend, and... and you got told what to do by the centre back. Yeah, that yeah. was your job. Yeah. To every now and then overlap, but then don't get a nosebleed. Run back as quick as yeah. you can. That, but now it's it's almost the. It feels like an extra man. It's where there's space because it's yeah. it's as you said. What are you could do mark, man mark a left back or right back. No way, and it 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 doesn't add up. So when you watch Liverpool, the the thing that makes them special, in my opinion, are the, are the fullbacks this yeah. year. And, and but I, I think whilst we can maybe say that Klopp got lucky with Alexander Arnold, I I also think that Robertson six mil from Hull six million from now I watched him quite a bit in that whole season. Yeah, and he had a release clause, uh, relegation release clause. Yeah, which okay. is why he was so cheap. Yeah, I was astonished that nobody else was in for him. Yeah. Because I I'd watched him for Hull and I'm like he's young, he has a lot of potential. He was Hull's best player in my opinion by a mile yeah. when they went down, and you could see that he had ability going forward as well as defensively. But having said that, so I thought when they signed him, good signing. Yeah, uh, particularly because like Liverpool a... have had a massive issue at left back for years and years and years. Um, he's surpassed everybody's expectations also, of how good he could be. And talking, it's a good signing. And going on to Klopp a bit. He never Robertson didn't play the first half of the season when he first arrived. They played Milner and they yeah. played um mm, you're right. Spanish left back they had that I can't remember. Moreno. Moreno, yeah. yeah, who was crap because we can't remember his name. Um but what Klopp's done, if you look at that squad before it was Liverpool players, Mane was quite good at Southampton. Salah had a good season in Italy. Firmino did okay at Hoffenheim. Milner was past it at um Man City. Well, now De Bloom 
Newcastle did okay. The Lana, Oxley Chamberlain, Henderson had yeah. been, you know, yeah. solid for years. But... Van Dyke had done well at Southampton. He was the big Van Dyke and Allison, obviously, were the big two that kind of have pulled it up. But Matip was an okay centre back. He's made players that are pretty good into really fucking good mm. players, and that came from. Him seeing something in them, but also we're talking about how a great coach makes players better. I think, I genuinely believe you take a lot of those players and go and plonk them in Chelsea or whatever, they're pretty average. He makes those players really, really world class. And I think that's the sign. Is that a mental thing or is it a coaching thing? Both. Because like we all look at Klopp and we're like, I mean, you've called him a fraud in the past, Jeff. And I, <laughs> I mean, I can see why you did because partly... Because he does have, he's a he's a person that just has that he has that personality, and people go with him. You know, he's just he's immediately like he's very affable, and you he's very hard to dislike. You know, yeah. and you and and I I could just imagine him, you know, sort of being able to do everything with the players, hard on them when they need players wouldn't resent it. It put they're up, put an arm around the shoulder when they need it, be their mate when they need it. Like I just feel like he he's just someone and all that comes fairly naturally to him. He has yeah, has those personal yeah. skills. Is that what makes those players better or is it, you know, we know that he has been one of the biggest proponents of the press well, 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 is you know is it that coaching side I, I i have two points from that from klopp's interview yesterday with the bbc first up he is a very positive man and he was talking about the restarting of the premier league which we'll get onto on a minute and the, the talk about the neutral venues for liverpool and stuff and he said well it'd be great to play at anfield but if we can't we can't we just get on with it and that attitude for me was like that's the way to go with it the second point was around how they he was asked how they're doing the training for groups of two groups of three groups of four and he said it was kind of a subtle but very confident comment around he's like there's a reason we get paid really well we make the best training we do the best training we have the best we've planned every single session throwing coach yes and he has a throwing coach and i think he has this big booming personality that is makes you just want to cuddle him and hang out with him. But also behind that is a real work hard and plan every minutiae of what he's doing. Marginal yeah, gains. So, so, yeah. Um, Which is a pretty good combo. Yeah. Well, I don't want to disappear down a, um, down a kind of leadership philosophy rabbit hole, but I will do slightly. Okay, so <laughs> we, we, we look at teams that play well and we look at teams that play poorly. You could easily say, you could put them in two two different brackets, right? Teams that play well, play well together. Teams that play poorly, play as individuals. Yep. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah. We've just had a conversation about Leicester and the, the fluid interplay means they're playing well together. Now, you can have an average team that are coached well, playing well together, beat a very good team that are playing as individuals. Like we see that in football all the time. Yeah. Now the only but way to sometimes make sometimes the individuals are so good that yeah, a team so, not playing uh, as a team could still of course, win. Like, yeah. like Portugal. Yeah. 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 So and um so we, we, we see that in football all the time. So the only way to have a team play together is to have them coached and led. So to have them listen, absorb and act on the instructions given to them. The only way they can do that is by having a leader. Someone telling them what to do that they will, even if it goes against their own personal preference, follow. So you look at, okay, what does it take to be that kind of leader? Now, now the only currency that a leadership, uh, someone in a leadership role trades in is credibility. 
Mm. That's it. It's it's not honesty. It's not you know you you pick up as many buzzwords as you like, but credibility is the thing because if you have credibility when you ask someone to do something that they don't want to do, they will more often than not do it because they deem you a credible source of instruction. Yeah. Now the only way you build up your your bank of credibility is through infinite small interactions on a daily basis that let someone believe that you are on their side you're honest you're worthwhile of trust you are you are intelligent or at least you know what you're talking about you're all of these little interactions he has so, so if you go but back I think to the, the important thing there is that that to do that it has to be real you can't exactly you, you right. can't fake that you have that to genuinely connect yeah. with all of your players you have to genuinely care about them you have to genuinely communicate with them you have to know their their wives names the name of their dog you have to know yeah. whether they're struggling with the language what they eat for breakfast you know you have to care because if you say hello to every single person on that team every day and you've built up your reserve of credibility by the time you're asking them to press and they're knackered and they look up and they're like oh gaffer are you kidding me they don't do it. They yep. just press because they you have built up enough credibility in the bank that makes them do something that might be against their own personal preference, yep. which means that the machine that he's made is operating perfectly because of the credibility he's built up. So when you say, Rog, is it because is it he's a nice guy or because he gets on with them? Yes, it is. It's also because he's is a credible tactician. He has a history in the game. You know, all of the things you want to look for to say, is he a credible leader? And he also hasn't blown it. Yep. So he's also not made choices or not reacted after a game that diminishes his credibility. It's like this, like the stock stock exchange. Well, you know? apart it goes from up losing down. all his finals until he won the Champions League. Yep. Yeah, but the way so. he acts after losing a final isn't like Jose Mourinho. He doesn't come out, blame the press, blame injuries, blame the ref. He comes out and goes, oh, well, shit, we got to a final. We should be proud of ourselves. That means that even in those bad moments, he still grows his credibility because of the type of person he is. And you can tell he always goes away from those and goes... I need to learn. I need yeah. to learn from this and work out what to do better next time. And gradually, he's got incrementally better at it. But I think there's a there's different ways of of achieving that though. And I, and and some people can achieve it by pure excellence. So I would argue that Pep is a prime example. His model is that he essentially has earned the respect of all his players by being a genius, essentially yeah. a tactical mm. genius. He might not so be, the be a, he might not be the friendliest, yeah. and he would be really hard to work for because he's so intense and I think Pochettino tends to go that way a bit mm -hmm. more like if you, you know, draw on some yeah. weird diagram but Klopp seems to have this balance where it's you know the, I think there is that there is an aspect of it I'm sure he drives his players hard because I think to play the way that Liverpool play with that press you would have to but he's more I just can't like Pep's not very like I think of all the all the recent managers that have had a lot yeah. of success in the Premier League, you know, and you look at you look at Pep and you look at um, you know go back to Fergie, um, and and you you know you look at some of these characters and that's not they're not an arm round the shoulder type, you yeah. know, it's based mm -hmm. on on them being winners if you like, and he he seems he seems to have that, which I know it's really bad, but that makes me think the success isn't that sustainable because generally those characters aren't the serial winners. Generally, serial winners are knobs. Well, that's what I was going to say. The next, So, we, we're Liverpool going to win the league. And I'm really excited for them as a Man United fan because they've been through shit and they've had a bit of a roller coaster crap year to win the league. But good on them, they've won the they league. They deserve it. Yeah, and they 100% deserve it. 
Um, and I'm genuinely a bit sorry for them that they're going to win the league without their fans being in the crowd. But don't you think that this might also spur them on? Well, I was going to say, what do we think? So next season, Liverpool are going to be champions next season. Um, and they're still in the Champions League? I can't even remember. No, they got knocked out by Atletico. Did they get knocked out or they lost the first no, leg? No, they got knocked out. They got knocked out the second leg. I can't leg. even remember. Yeah. Really? That was the last game before the season finished. Oh, and that's the yes. one that they say... It was the crazy last-minute goal, then last-minute goal. Yeah. yeah, and they say it yeah. quadrupled the deaths in Liverpool that yes. game. You read the yeah. reports? Terrible yeah. story. Yeah, wow. That's amazing how your brain just forgets yeah. <laughs> so long ago. But next season, they're going to go into the league as champions. And he has to keep that squad fresh and he has to maybe bring in a player or two because he didn't bring in anyone in this year really to change it up well if they're going to they're talking about Timo Werner who would next, be a pretty decent addition oh, so at the moment <laughs> but I think that's interesting for me is whether they're going to carry this on or whether it's going to be this amazing thing they've won this thing and whether then it just peters out and at uh, Dortmund at the end of his um, time there they were in the relegation zone like it all went wrong ran out of energy and but do- he didn't really have ultimate success at Dortmund he won the oh, league I know he won the league and got to the Champions League final <sighs> yeah but I kind of it's a monkey league in Germany like yes <laughs> they won the league but they still lost their players to Bayern yes and, and, and I just lo- yes. I just sort of feel like it's so it's so which Bayern are going to win their eighth title in a row this year they they beat Dortmund at the week uh, in midweek. Yeah, um, I think that would be really hard to to keep motivating yourself for when you know that you as the second best club in the land might still lose your best players, like Lewandowski or whatever. Yeah, to, yeah. to your rivals, and so I think that makes the that success harder to sustain. Whereas, and if you look at like Liverpool, have that history of being a dominant team. Yeah. So I. I I mean, I don't see Liverpool going anywhere. Jeff, do you reckon they'll stay there? Um, Not necessarily saying they're going to win it next year, because I think Man City will keep... But I think we're at a point now where I see Liverpool and Manchester City continuing to push each other. Yeah. I think they will stay there. Um, And I'm not sure I would have said that had we not had this 10-week period of no football. I genuinely think they they, they were only as good as they are this year. Apart from because they're fullbacks, they're only as good because of Man City last year. Yeah, they learnt that if they drop any points, it's a disaster. Yeah, and because of that, they were on it from the beginning, and they won't have the same motivation next they year can't as they did this year. That. Yeah. but this break, this ten-week period where they've Could had no godsend. football for them, actually gives them a break. So yeah. you don't have to sustain that mental capacity. Well, and I think also that they'll feel cheated because you know this was. There, what, what do we say? Twenty-seven points ahead, but this is always going to be a season where it's viewed as, yeah. oh yeah, but you want it in the, yeah. you know, Got the to remind yourself of the year. success. Yeah. So I, I, th- I think it might drive them on. Well, um, well, we've got through our team reviews. Look at that. Great. We can move on to other football. Um, next week, just so everyone knows, we've got ten teams left to do in our team reviews, and it's the last week before the football starts. So all those ten teams get two minutes each. Great. So we'll just do quick fire. So sorry for anyone sorry who actually cares. For anyone from <laughs> M down. Um, but everyone gets two minutes. Um, so in Premier League news, the Premier League's back. <laughs> the 17th of I, June. I still can't. Is it really back no, on I, it? Yeah, I, don't I don't know really if it's believe... going to happen. I'm a mix of excited, nervous, confused, anxious about the amount of sleep I'm not going to get. Um, 
and can't wait. But and everything's back at say so, oh, I know you don't care about this, but AFL is also back like at a similar sort of time. So all mm. of a sudden it's like from nothing to then like so much. Sport, <laughs> and uh, my brain is a little bit fried. I'm, I'm already sick of it. <laughs> I'm already sick of it. I don't want it back. I'm, I'm done. Yeah, I, it's great. But the time, like, from, we are a Premier League podcast in Australia, and one of the things, one of our constant gripes is the time difference. Yes. Now we're going to get to watch lots. Yeah. It's wait. So the kickoff time. Because it's a game every day, isn't there? So we'll get to watch. I lots printed of... off the kickoff time. So Saturday there'll be a twelve thirty game, which means we'll get a nine thirty game every Saturday. Um, and then we'll get the normal midnight games. Sunday we'll get a 9pm game every week and an 11pm game. And then Friday, Saturday and Monday we'll get a 5am game. And Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I wake up at 5am <laughs> every morning. So I'm like, yes. Yeah, that's great. But it is, it's going to be weird though. It's going to be weird not, I'm, no not, I'm not on board with the no fans in the crowd well, thing. Would it's... you rather no fans or no football? They've got Can I take that as a question on notice and get back to you after a couple of weeks of it? Um, no, that's not how life works. No. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just really like I. It feels like watching a preseason friendly, which I couldn't give a shit about. It won't mm. be the same. I, I I tend to agree. It's not real football with the fans, but I always revert back to the. I just want to get to next season and start going forward and to go forward we have to get this season done and out of the way and we either wait until January and then fans mm. can come in or go we just got to do it this and they're way. a bit like and I love football and they're you know there's still parts of the game you can appreciate like you can watch some amazing skill or mm. you know and and, and yeah look, don't get me wrong mm. I'm very excited it's coming back but I'm just it's tinged with a bit of it's not really I'm looking forward the game to the I love wonder goal where someone scores a screamer into the top corner and goes, yeah, oh, there's no one here. See, I'm just, um, now I'm just anxious about all the permutations. <laughs> like, uh, so, like, don't get me wrong, I've accepted that it's coming back, it's great. I have sucked up the fact that it's purely financial, nothing about the good of human beings, and yep. actually the whole world is disgusting. Yep. That's cool. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, our, well, that's, our, that's, that's our baseline, that's right? That's the way we are. So yeah. once we've accepted that reality, I'm going, okay, well, let me just be a spear. But um, I think it's also okay to be... Uh, uh, Gary, to Gary Lineker did a... Did, did, um, this, he just did a video... Like it's like three minutes long, just yeah. him having a chat about his. He likes to put his feelings out yeah. there, and it was just he, my feelings about the Premier League coming back. And he has the anxiety of, you know, there's all these other things happening in the world, and there's lots of things that are bad, and football is only coming back because of the money. And how should I feel about that? Does that mean I shouldn't like that? What? Should, how am I supposed yeah, yeah. to feel? But he's like, I've rationalised. I think it's okay to be excited. And be looking forward to football because I love football. Yeah, that's and if what you I break mean, it yeah. down to like a complete base level, when you're yeah. so passionate about something, it is okay. Yes, yeah, so I'm com I'm now yeah. if, if I'm comfortable with all those things, which yeah. I'm not, but I am because you have to be because I've got no choice, so I don't control the world. Yeah. Then I just look at the fixtures and I look I look I look at the table and I'm like, okay, so what are the connotations? And suddenly I shit myself again. So I'm like, okay, well, who can get relegated? Everton. Who can stay up? I'm looking at Everton's position. Everton have gone down two places in the last 10, 10 weeks. We were top ten when this whole thing started, and now we're in twelfth. Um, well, you can't have gone down since it started. No, well, it feels like we have. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, he is definitely an Everton fan. Yeri Mina got a soft tissue injury this week. He's out for two weeks. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, that will, oh, that will not be the last soft tissue injury you hear about in the next Gab- two weeks. Gabamin's out. Gabamin's out. For six months more. Played one game, two yeah. games. I think. Go, is Gomez any closer to coming back? He's, he's great. He's back? Yeah, yeah. he's the okay. greatest player of all time. Uh, um, <laughs> no, but I mean... His anyway, I'm not, I'm not talking, talking about Everton specifically. I'm looking at it going, okay, so what's interesting to me is in such a weird world, you could see anything happen. Yeah. So it's like we've gone through the looking glass. So if you're a team like Burnley or, or Everton or Crystal Palace, you could just as easily finish 17th as you could finish 4th. Yeah. Because... The world's gone fucking mad and no one knows how this kind of weird isolation football is going to play out. Whether actually, like, yeah, we've, we've spoken before about how every player in the Premier League is good. Yeah. The, the, the difference between the phenomenal players in the Premier League and the shit players in the Premier League is very small, yeah. really. Like, we've spoken about good. how Jurgen Klopp coaches his teams, that makes a big difference, whatever. So yeah. essentially we've had a three and a half week period where everyone has to start coaching again, a whole group of players who've had 10 weeks off for the first time in their professional lives, which means that anyone could have either taken it seriously, not taken it seriously, gone out and partied with with strippers and baileys, or like like anything could have happened. (coughs) Kyle Walker. Well, that's the thing. Anything could have happened. You know, players could be rightly so saying, I don't want to come back and play, so I'm not going to. Players could not be signing new contracts. It's chaos ball. It's like multi-ball in pinball where you just can't strategize for it. So so you could be going up or down or left or right or all over the place, and, that, and at the end, it sticks. Where you finish is the end of the season. So if we're going to take Liverpool... Sorry, John, I know you've got something to say, no, but if no. we're going to take Liverpool's win and go, Liverpool are going to win the league, yet yeah, they deserve it, wherever your fucking multi-ball ends up at the end of this is your actual league position, and all of the riches and spoils and, and relegations are placed on... Chaos, which, which I can um, feel for the relegation teams. Really. Yeah, but yeah. I feel for the relegation teams, but also I think it's an opportunity for teams like Norwich to go, we can get out to of reset. This. Yeah, um, and if you look at the German league um, as they've come back, there's been less wins um, at home. Like people from away from home are winning because there's less advantage. The ball is staying in play a lot longer. Um, it's not getting hoofed out the sides or whatever, so the ball's actually just staying in play, which suggests more of a training game kind of style. Yeah, they're not uh, panicking. Pre- pressure perception. Yes. Yeah. Um, and also the teams that play possession football are doing better than the teams that kind of live off the energy of run around and adrenaline and chasing down and closing down. So you look... So Sheffield me, United for top four. Well, yes. Norwich and Bournemouth are going, this is great. Yeah, yeah, for Norwich and Bournemouth, this is the perfect scenario. They play good football. They're and good Bournemouth have got Brooks back, which yes. is a big, that, like for them, that's significant. And I think for West Ham, it's going to make no difference because their fans are millions of miles away anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and Watford and Newcastle might struggle with that. Yeah, I think Watford and Newcastle are the teams that may struggle because they're built, built on emotion and kind of having that big crowd behind them. Yeah. So I think you might see... Villa are similarly, I think they have a great support and they have a great crowd behind them and they've kind of got their own emotion and they maybe don't have that little bit of quality. You'd argue that Arsenal are in a really good position yes. because because Arsenal the library. love having a nice, peaceful... Yeah, the library. Yeah. Yeah. Like, nice, peaceful home ground where they can play the ball on the floor. There aren't too many, you know, dishwasher yeah. challenges. Like, it's actually, it's a good time to be an Arsenal fan. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, do you have any opinion on the neutral venues thing? So but the Premier League have come out and said that 
six games? No, not pre- it's the the police have requested to the Premier League that, that six specific fixtures are played at neutral venues. Yeah, um, and from, it doesn't bother me at all, and I don't think it matters at all. But I can understand. A little bit, if you're a fan of Liverpool, because three of their games are being asked to be played in neutral grounds, and then the fourth will be when they win the title. So that's a bit frustrating. And it shows a bit of a lack of respect to Liverpool fans, probably, because they can... You'd hope they go, don't come to the ground, and they go... Yeah, right. I won't come to the ground. They're going to be at pubs and houses anyway. What's It's all going to be yeah, on I telly. Don't, I, yeah, I don't... I. It's The thing that's a little bit bizarre is um, we know that stadiums are closed anyway. And I almost think that is there a risk that when you put focus on it like this, that actually a load of fans go, yeah. well, I'm not having this. We're going to yeah. go and stand outside the neutral yeah. venue. Was it the police? Because I thought it was the Premier League that suggested them. No, and the, the police poli- have the, pushed the, back. And no, says- the police requested to the... Yeah, okay. Maybe fact check it, but the way I read it was that the police requested, and I think the Premier League have like acquiesced to their yeah, know, request, but, the, but it's about the police had concerns. And yeah. as I understand it, it's about preventative resource. So yeah. it's even if fans don't go, the police need to put enough horses and blokes there in case they do. Yeah. Okay. Which means that those people aren't everywhere else to yes. start enforcing the social distancing. So yeah. so it's it's a preventative resource. But as you say, just trust them. I think just I the world's so fucked. Can we just give people a bit of a They've stayed away in Germany. Confidence. Yeah. Or or do something. <laughs> do something. Or do something about it. <laughs> but is it is it Hoffenheim where they've they've opened up the um opened up the car parks and they're playing it on the big screen and you can drive up and yeah, sit you in the car. Yeah, you can drive ins. And in Denmark great, they've done good. the So beat the horn. The De- I re- my, yeah. my favourite's the Denmark one where you they've had a massive screen and you pay for your zoom link and your zooming yeah. is right onto the game. So, and you just watch the game. So and be creative and you can cheer. And like, they can hear you go, yeah, yeah. the referee's a wanker. And you can hit, shout and do everything. So that would, if, if you, I think for the players, if you could, uh, they, they won't probably because of the money, but if you could do that on a massive scale and have heaps and heaps of those screens then, and real fans, that would be the most real you can get, get in the yeah. scenario, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's move on to the championship. The championship's back on the 20th of June, Rog. Um, is everyone happy about it? Last week we talked about Hull being upset about it. Well, I mean, I think, so yes, in the championship. Generally, the consensus is in the championship we want to play. Um, uh, I think the, the the gap, the championship is much closer to the Premier League mm. than the lower leagues are to the championship. Yeah, in, League One to Championship now. jump. Yeah, it's very, very hard now from to go to League One to the championship and stay there. I know mean, that sounds weird, it's, but it's almost easier to go from the championship and to the Premier yeah. League now. But uh, So I think most of the clubs in the championship are, were on board. As we said, it was only Hull. But to me, and, and I think it's really important the championship are on board in terms of the relegation thing from the Premier League. Because we, mm. as we've said teams in the Premier League have already said if we play and get relegated and it's points per game in the Championship we are taking that to court so this had to happen um, almost for the Premier League to have any legitimacy in playing the yeah. Championship had to be on board the real issue is what happens then because League One is completely the opposite they're in a mess aren't they league, league one there is no agreement whatsoever between clubs and league on, two have said we're gonna league, it's already over league, league two, two and yeah. league 
yeah, and, and below have essentially said no more. Yeah. League One, it is a complete hodgepodge split of of clubs that want to play, clubs that don't want to play, you know, depending on their position, mm. and there just is no common ground whatsoever. So it's a really difficult situation. But then obviously there's a flow on effect to that because then what's going to happen, you know, with yeah. teams that are that same scenario we just talked about, the Premier League teams are going to get related, relegated, applies to teams in the Championship because we're playing. We get relegated, but hold on. If you don't play in League One, you're doing points per game. We're not having that. So I I just, it's, I mean, but it's probably easier than doing it. This this is the point where it's not, it's not principle, it's survival. So if, if, was it the FA that said it was going to cost something like £400,000 per per club to do the testing? Yeah. And um, some clubs are sitting there going, well, why would we, we we literally can't afford to do yeah. testing let alone put on games at our stadium with no income so we can't extend contracts because we can't pay them we can't afford the testing why would we vote ourselves into liquidation because we you're not guaranteeing us that in august when the season was meant to start again yeah it's going to we're yeah. fans in it's not going to so they're not saying okay just get this done and then everything will be back to normal and they go oh we'll go to the bank we'll get a loan we'll get this done income will be regular and that's fine they're it's just not. saying get this they're, done. they're saying get this done and and if if you fucked you fucked and then they're going well next year probably not saying they're going the right yeah. thing to do is next year in the beginning first half at least there won't be any fans in stadiums yeah. so, so why would we pay more right now to not have an exit not have yeah. a roadmap off this thing it makes total sense that they're going mm. well I'm not going to vote for something that puts me out of business. And the teams that are voting yes to start are probably the ones that have and that can afford it financially. Well, because in League One you have Sunderland and yeah, Ipswich, who clubs. are kind of Premier League size clubs. They're huge, and then at the bottom you have your tiny little kind of Scunthorpes, mm. Accrington, Stanleys that are, just get three thousand people and live by the skin of their teeth. So you're not going to so vote yourself out of existence. It's a massive difference, yeah. Uh, so, so you I, can't. I mean, I. That is going to be a scenario that will have to. I, uh, my my thoughts on it are that they won't start. So I think it might only be Championship and yeah. Premier League. And so what happens with relegation from Championship and promotion from League One? Could who, be. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. You, this is this is strange because is it that should be the least of our concern. And I don't want to sound like Gary Lineker going. Is it is it okay or not? But what happens with relegation from the Championship versus? whether 10 clubs cease to exist. Exactly, I mean, yeah. If I'm tipping the scales here, I shouldn't really give a shit about who's relegated from the chat, even if it was my club or yeah. not my club. Yeah. The, 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 that's Okay, that's a sporting integrity conversation versus the existence of a community support network as a single club city that employs people that has history and heritage. You will, you will pluck those from existence yeah. for the sake of... What's going to happen with promotion and relegation? I, I think that's very, very, very true, and you would hope that that is the way that the regulators of the game should be looking at it. However, they're relying on votes from their members, being the clubs in that particular league, who are voting for their own per- personal yeah. interest. And you know, you ask the fans of those championship clubs yeah. that that might be relegated when that happens. They're not, you know, they're not going to be happy. They're going to look at it from. I think they oh. would find it very hard to be philosophical and say, "Well, we'd rather ten, you know, we save these ten clubs and we get relegated." They're going to be, "This is wrong. We don't want." Okay, to get so relegated. I'm telling you, Rog, I'm going to take away your nice car. 
Yeah, have a nice car. But let's say you had a nice car. I'm gonna take <laughs> let's pretend. I'm gonna take away your nice car and give you a 1974 Skoda, right? And I'm gonna do that in order to save an orphanage in Bangladesh. <laughs> yeah. Or you can keep your car. I'll give you a new stereo and I'll bomb it. What would you do? Um, I would definitely want to take you, the Skoda. Well, exactly right, wouldn't yeah. you? You wouldn't bomb the orphanage. No. No one would bomb the orphanage. No. So we all just need to Not just even I would bomb shut the, the fuck up and stop bombing orphanages. There is, there is talk of the... They're children. <laughs> They've got no parents. <laughs> there is talk of making League One and kind of ending it, but just doing playoffs at the top. So you kind of end it where it is and do a points per game ratio. And then the top six go into playoffs as normal, or top seven, I think it is in League One. Um, and you play the playoffs, but you don't play any other games. And you just allow the top seven. So you kind of just do that. But then you don't force everyone else to play games who's in that midsection that could be strong. Oh, yeah. Do you, do you, yeah. You isolate the top, let them play, yeah. do a playoff, they've got a chance. Great. That's yeah. a and you still know, do, yeah. If they do that, half I orphanage. don't understand why they don't. Use half this, orphanage. This, that's, on the, that's a half orphanage, that one. Do the, I don't understand why they don't use this Miss mathematical modelling. Like mm. they, they're talking about very simple points per game, which doesn't factor in who the, who you're playing in the games, yeah. uh, you know, away, whether they're at home yeah. or away, whereas you have people that have come up with very detailed mathematical models to predict what uh, more Fiddlers accurately... Don't do complex maths. Which... No, Rog. That, that... that was a... As soon as you said complex mathematical models, you've lost 96% of all people who even like But football. that would be the, the fairest <laughs> way to do it. Sorry to that everyone. That is the <laughs> fairest way to do you it. You lost me. It's, there's science. Yeah, no. Oh, no. We, we won the league. Oh, great. Oh, what, how many points did you get? Oh, just science. Science. We won the league by science. Might as well do it at the beginning of the season, not play any football at all. Who won uh, the league this year? Man City. How? Science. Let's let's move on before <laughs> Jeff goes from science to orphanages. Um, <laughs> any side stories or other football news that anyone wants to talk about? I, I did want to mention the fact, we talked about Liverpool tonight, that they took a knee at training in respect to the George Floyd murder um, that happened in America last week and just say, good on them, and we back that, and that's amazing. And Jaden Sancho scored a hat-trick for Dortmund and also took off his shirt. How good is Jaden Sancho, by oh, the way? so good. Are you so good? Like, I forgot about that while football was away. <laughs> he is amazing, <laughs> and he's English. <laughs> his second goal was so good. Yes. I'm like, wow, this kid, like, he is... Proper, proper good. <laughs> he is proper. Man. I hope we don't break him because we probably will. But he is so good at football. Um, but I just thought I wanted to mention how good the Liverpool photo looked and how good the football community has been rounding up around support for the George Floyd scenario. And um, yeah, I think it's amazing. You well, said, yeah, yeah, I just, I mean, we don't, we try, we're three. Um, Middle-aged uh, white fat people. Fat old white blokes that try not to talk about it, uh, you know, too much, yeah. um, which 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 I think is right, but at the same time you can't. I think that footballers in general get quite a lot of stick. Yeah. Um. And, and you know the media are often quick to to jump on them when they don't do things right. And I've been really impressed with the way that um that some of the footballers have used their position to you know to to support is a a cause that like. Everybody in the world can understand. Yeah, um, if they've got a brain. But I just, I, I think you know, these are these are like particularly someone like Sancho, who's a very young man. I, I think it, it, and it's, it's not easy to do that sort of thing and put yourself out there. And I, and I, I, um, 
was really impressed that he did that. And uh, Marcus Turam was, um, was another one. So yeah. he scored for Borussia Mönchengladbach. Lillian Turam's um, son. Lillian Turam. Now, I love Lillian Turam. <laughs> he's one of my favourite players. And I love him even more now because his son... He's, he's awesome. He's, so he is a very eloquent speaker and quite often speaks out against racism. Yeah. Um, and so he took a knee where he scored a goal yeah. for Munchenkai, but took a knee. And so I love Turam now more because his son is also a, a champ. Yeah. But I, I just was really impressed with this. But I also wanted to acknowledge um, the German DFB yeah. in this because I was really impressed with their reaction. Now, obviously, Sancho got booked. We know taking off a shirt, shirt, it's a rule, you have to do it. There's also an investigation into what they did because that is the process that they have in German football that you have to do that. Yeah. But the um Because you're not allowed to show a political opinion on it. On the football pitch. Um so the vice president of DFB, who is Reiner Koch. Um (laughs) Reiner Reiner Koch sounds like some sort of cheese. Um, cheese cheese <laughs> cheesy <laughs> cock um, but uh, came out and I just I, I'm just going to quote because I, I, I yeah. saw this and I thought it was really good but he essentially said I have great respect for players who have an attitude and show their solidarity I wish for such mature players and am proud of them morally I can absolutely understand the actions last weekend what happened in the USA can leave everybody cold when people are discriminated against because of the colour of their skin this is intolerable if they die because of their skin colour then I'm deeply shocked the victims of racism need solidarity from us all the DFB and German football as a whole through their broad commitment show time and again in many forms events and facets their clear no to racism discrimination and all forms of violence he then went on to explain that they still have to have this investigation because of the process yeah but i again thought that 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 took real courage from you know the administrators of football in germany to take a stand with these players yeah and, and support them and but you can never imagine the uh, FA doing it. No, I think the FA would just go, this is our process, we've got to follow it, we're going to yeah. do this. And so I, to be able to do both and put it eloquently and also speak mm. out something that you know, so many people around the world agree with and just think yeah. is completely abhorrent, I was really, really impressed with the whole way that was from Sancho to, to, to Ram to Liverpool... And so I think <clears throat> footballers in, the, in, in general deserve a bit of credit there. Yeah, yeah I agree. I was, well, I was a bit nervous about whether we were going to talk about this today because um, I'm not sure how well my opinion will go down, but I've been drinking Canadian <coughs> clubs, so I'm just going to share it. Um, a part of me, when I see that you know the Premier League puts up a, a black Premier League badge today on Instagram, mm. and um, part of me looks at that and thinks, like, fucking hell, do something about it then. You yeah. operate a closed system that has internal racism problems. You, you, you sanction so weakly and poorly acts of racism within a system you control. This yeah. isn't a social system or a, or, a, or a system that has police or politics. This is something that you make the rules on. And yet every time there's a racist incident in the Premier League, it, it is one person gets his season ticket taken away. Yeah. Actually, stop putting fucking black Instagram posts up and do something do about something. the world yeah. you control. 
part of uh, so part of me saw that and like yeah great I, I think it's great why should the players have to be the ones that come out and be brave and yeah. put their put their faces out there and go oh, I'm going to be against this actually the players work in a closed system too so so the authorities who only sanctioned Bulgaria to be in a half full stadium when they you know yeah. actually yeah. the governing bodies in this closed system yeah. that they control the rules on should take a long, hard look at themselves and go, yes, you support this, but actually, it's fucking lip service. But it, it is lip service. But what I... And we've talked about this quite a lot this season, although I don't know how to say this season anymore because I don't know where we're at, but in the last 18 months or whatever, um, when incidents like this have happened and we've looked at Raheem Sterling really um, making a really good stand about it. And what I've noticed is that the noise is getting louder and... That's a real positive thing. And the more the noise gets louder, the more that people like the Premier League and the FA and UEFA and FIFA, who don't do anything about mm. this, just do lip service, well, are going to have to make a stand at some point and do something. So look in the United States. Um, the NFL came out and had a, a black NFL badge. Yeah. Like you are literally the people that kicked Colin Kaepernick yeah. out of your league <laughs> yeah. for taking a knee, which was a peaceful protest yeah. against police brutality. This was literally the thing that he was protesting peacefully about and he got ostracised from your sport. And then this happens and you act like, oh, you know, solidarity for our for our brothers and sisters. Actually, you know, fuck you guys. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised people are looking at those things very, very angry. And actually, I look at the events that unfold and without, I'm not talking about any of the other events because it's a sport podcast yeah. but the sports tribute I appreciate them from the players but the players should not have to put themselves out there on a limb and the governing bodies that, that have jumped in on this should be taking a long hard look in the mirror and doing something better about their own house I completely yeah, I agree. agree and like I think your like cynicism is well founded you know this yeah. is you know, we we it's it's been not a new issue for the Premier League. You know, we've talked about systemic racism in the sport, and when you're not addressing that, and then you suddenly jump on board, it comes across as bandwagon, and, and there's nothing genuine about it. But I, for me, it's the players, and I do. I mean, G- yeah. Germany I... should be more aware of this than most countries in the world because obviously they've had some well publicised issues with racism over the years. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I did really respect what that that guy they, that guy is an yeah. administrator in the sport, and yeah. I just I thought we put that very eloquently. But if that was a universal but, vision, we'd be better off. Yeah, yeah. and I, and yeah. I not, but I think players get a bad rap so much, and I just I really respect the way that they've hundred percent got on board with it, and I, and I think that you know using their their position in society well. For yeah. something and, and I and I think we should applaud them, but I, I agree, Jeff. It's I, a local it's, problem though. Like if everyone yeah. sorted out their own houses, we wouldn't have this problem in the first place. So um, pay attention to yourself. But yeah, the and the only other thing in Sorry. Germany was uh um I from this, I don't know how I ended up there, but I did a bit of a, a rabbit hole of Tony Uboa. <laughs> okay. Yes. Now um, one of the best I, strikers what, ever. I didn't realise this. That he came from Frankfurt to Leeds. Yeah, now my because mem- that my memory of Tony Eboa is just whenever you watch Premier League goals of of the century, the century or season, Tony Eboa is always there. Like it's one of my favourite goals against Liverpool, the one off the bar, Wimbledon, Wimbledon, so, 1903. so so good. But I just I have like vivid memories of yeah. Tony Eboa. Like I thought it was brilliant. Um, 
They also love him in Frankfurt to the point where in 2014, uh, and there's a like massive picture of him on the side of a house in yeah. Frankfurt. Um, and in the, the message in German is, we're ashamed of everybody who screamed at us. So he was one of like, you know, he was an early um, black player in in Germany, Germany yeah. and obviously copped a lot of racist abuse. Leroy Sane's dad was another one who was yeah. uh, playing in in the Bundesliga at this time. So, but um, Tony Boa was a uh, like a you know um, a, a real sort of ra- like race advocate in Germany. Did a did you know a, a lot? It was quite you know spoke out a lot against racism in the sport. Oh, I had no idea about this. I was reading about Tony Bowen and I just, you know, my love for the man grew oh, even he's more. And but he's got this massive not only has he got this huge cult following in Leeds and in the UK, he's also got this in Germany. And yeah. I love that because there aren't yeah. many players that can get that cult no. following in like multiple different um places. I've so. got one more side story, John. I know that you're trying to keep time. Can no, I, no, no, go on. Um, no, you're right. Uh I I was going to bring this up last week, but we again went over. Um, I think it's fair to give Harry Kane a bit of a shout out. Do you hear what he did with Leighton Orient? He sponsored their uh, shirts. Yes. Yeah, so Leighton yeah, Orient yeah, are going yeah. through financial hardship and Harry Kane bought their shirt sponsorship. So what he's done is the home shirt has a thank you message to the NHS. The away shirt has a children's hospice and the third shirt has a mental health charity. That... This is wrong, but the most amazing thing for me in that was that Leighton Orient have a third shirt. <laughs> <laughs> but why do Leighton Orient have a third shirt? Well, because, no, you know, you know that you play against a team that has two stripes at the yeah, same place. Yeah, yeah. um, but but no, that is amazing. It's amazing. And not only that, but because of the story and because of... Um, What's his link to Leighton Orient? Excuse me, ignorance. Because he, he's come through Spurs. But it's Leighton Orient's right near Spurs. Like They're a local club. So Leighton Orient were in to have the Olympic Stadium that West Ham... But does he have any particular connection to them? Or is Not it that just I know of. I've, got, I've got no idea. Yeah. I should have done more research. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but the thing that um, really struck me is, had I brought that up a few weeks ago, I wouldn't have got the continuation of the story, which is Leighton Orient have started selling shirts globally. So there wow. are countries all over the world, wow. like Malaysia and Singapore, um, in Latin yeah. America, where they're ordering Leighton Orient shirts because of the story about their financial hardship and Harry Kane sponsoring the shirts. So these Harry Kane sponsored That's shirts great. have That's been awesome. bought all over the world. How That's good so is good. that? Yeah, that is, that is good. Right, we're ready for Endgame. It's yes. Time. All right. Okay. So I won last week, so I am Games Master. I've been very bad at this recently, very bad. Jeff, you've been awful. You're on eight points at the moment. I'm on ten. Roger's on twelve. Um, this would be the last shed of the season, wouldn't it? This would be a season review. So can we start again? No, no, points no, again? No, how, how... We have to run with the league. Oh. So we're going to get to week 700 by the rate we're going at the moment. Um, so this week, one of the first games back on the 17th of June is Arsenal v Man City. So I was thinking about Arsenal v Man City games. And then remember the game where Adebayor, which I've given one away. Oh. Um, Bloody hell, John. So now you're going to give somebody one. Should we say he's banned? You must. We say Adebayor was banned. Yeah. So Adebayor scores, having joined Man City, and runs down the other end and taunts the Arsenal crowd. It's 2009, so 11 <sighs> years ago now. Mark Hughes is Man City manager. And unsurprisingly, Arsene Wenger is Arsenal manager. Um, Jeff, because you're so crap at this, you can go first. Sorry, so it's Hughes and... You just moved your mic right around. Oh, sorry. (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, it was because because we're right next to each other. Oh, I see what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so it's Mark Hughes and Arsene Wenger were managers. The score was 4-2 to Man City. Adebayor. <laughs> Adebayor is banned. Um, Roque Santa Cruz. <laughs> There's no Roque Santa Cruz. Oh, no! <laughs> Rod, you got to get one really? right. There's no Roque Santa Cruz anywhere near that squad. He's always injured. Oh. God damn it. Just get it wrong, Rod, so we can keep going. Um, get it, I was just thinking maybe I'll go obscure. Just who get was, it wrong. I'm trying to think of one, Joe. Of, those, one of those Brazilians. <laughs> hey, who was that Brazilian midfielder? Delano. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, 2009. Go on, say Alano, then it's like I've won. 2009. You oh, can't just keep telling the year. Come on. No, I know. I'm trying to think. Arsenal, uh, Man City. Fabregas. Correct. Oh. Alano. No. Oh, that was who I was thinking yeah. of, though. Yeah. Rog wins. So, Man City, Shea Given. Oh, good. Jeff. Rickard, Richards, Bridge, Lescott, Torre, Ireland, Wright Phillips, Barry, De Jong, Adebayor, Bellamy. I had Barry and Bellamy on my list. Arsenal was Almunia, Sanya, Vermaelen, Gallas, Glishi, Diaby, Fabregas, Danielson, Song, Van Persie and Bender. Can you please tell me whether Rocky Santa Cruz <laughs> even played for Man City that year? I, I can Google it. But, um, uh, well, 2009? No, I don't think he did play that year. Mark was... Hughes signed Santa Cruz in his first year of Waves. So it's the, that's the second year of the money, isn't it? That Man City year. Yes. He played from 2009 to 2013 oh, at Man City. And yeah, what, game, okay. what year was this? But in four years, he played 20 games. Oh, what and an idiot. He's he's one of those, he just never really played. He had one good season at Blackburn. And Mark Hughes was managing Blackburn. I am single-handedly ruining this game for everybody. We, yes, Jeff. I'm going to say, I'm not going to I think Rocker Santa Cruz was a bit obscure for your first guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going of, to of all the Man City players. I had loads. I had Bellamy. I had Barry. Yeah, you would have been fine. I had another couple that were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Did Nazari play? No. Not for Arsenal no, or City? No, no. Oh, he might have been on the bench. Uh, give me two secs. He may have been on the bench. Um, oh, no one cares. I'm just clutching yes. straws. No, yeah, no. Um, but no, that's us done for the week. Has anyone got anything before we go? No. No? So, Jeff, no, Rod, sorry, you're on game next Should week. let me have Adebayor. You're on to 13 points. Um, so, I've still got three to catch up. Shit. Jeff's got five. Yeah. Couldn't be done. You're crapping this game. It's never going to happen. I feel yeah. like you were on eight three years ago. Yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> long time ago. <laughs> weren't, weren't you winning at one point, mm-hmm. I think? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but thanks for listening everyone we will be back next week Um, don't forget if you want to get in contact or ask us questions just uh, find us on Facebook or shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com thanks for listening everyone see ya watch watch Tony Bear's goal brilliant bye